from Sky for great kids talk and great reading. Uh, week two, Song of Songs. I'm just going to do a really brief recap for those of you who weren't uh, here last week. Song of Songs. It is a love song. A love song between a husband, okay, the lover, and a wife, the beloved, in loving intimacy. She speaks first. She speaks most. She speaks most frequently and most freely. And she speaks to him. She speaks about him, about their love, about their intimacy, about their relationship. She also speaks to her single friends about love and about how and when to handle love. In fact, interestingly, Song of Songs' primary audience, in the first instance at least, is her single friends. And that should serve really as a constant reminder to us as we read this, that this song is every bit as much for singles as it is for married people. Now I'm going to come back to some, uh, some more pointy kind of and specific application for single people later on, but since there's a lot of application here for married couples... I just want to really encourage you, if you're single or if you're dating, not to zone out okay, during those bits, during those application parts for, for married couples. Because, you see, it's tempting, I think, for those of us who are single uh, to feel perhaps a little bit left out by this series, to say, you know, this is all about love and marriage. How does it apply to me? Other than simply, you know, to wait until you're married. Well, if that's you, a couple of quick things to note. Firstly, that statistically... More than 90% of us will marry. And so it's good if you're not already to prepare for that time by thinking biblically about it now. And secondly, that although Song of Songs uh, is between a husband and a wife, remember her single friends are right in the midst of their conversation. They're constantly learning from their relationship and from their advice. So if you're single, I just want to say, listen up. Listen up, because right now, whether you realise it or not, you're actually pre- preparing and preserving your own vineyard, okay? yourself and your body, that is, for your future spouse. So while you're single, you, know, you want to conduct yourself in a way that when you meet the person that God has for you, you have as little kind of baggage and carry-ons as possible, you know, so that you don't have to say to them when you, when you meet them, well, here's all my exes, you know, here's all my kind of sexual issues and my exploits and here's my crummy theology. Lucky you! You know, look who you get to be with. You don't want that. You see, while you're single, it's a great time uh, to be studying your Bible, you know, to be serving Jesus in ministry, to be figuring out your spiritual gifts, maybe to be kind of knocking out your education, to be seeking Christian mentors, so that if and when you meet that right person, you already have a fruitful vineyard or a life, you know, to invite them into. So I wanted to say that up front. But with that said, while love can be, like, so wonderful, and it can, and so joyful, it can also be a really bumpy ride. A really bumpy ride. With love, there can be a fine line between pleasure and pain. A fine line between pleasure and pain, which is exactly where today's passage takes us. And I'd love you to open up the Bible again if you've you've shut them. Please open up the Bible again. I think it was page 669, Song of Songs, chapter 2, and we're going from verse 8. Now this passage, the first part of it, it opens on the side of pleasure, all right? The beloved declaring, listen, my lover, look, 
Here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. You see, since the, the bedroom scene of last week, you know where we finished last week, with our two lovers sitting back in each other's arms, you know, after just having made love, the setting and the mood has now changed because now they're apart and they're desperately looking forward to being together again. She's at home. She's looking out the window. It's time for him to arrive. She's waiting for him. And as she sees her lover approaching here, okay, as far as she's concerned, he's a stud. You know, he's hot. He's athletic. His muscles are rippling like a gazelle or a young stag as he bounds across the fields. What's he doing? What's he doing? Well, he's running. You know, he's nearly there and he's longing to be with her. When he arrives... He stops and he sees her through the window. Okay, their, their eyes lock, their pulses race. They're almost together. And he says, verse 10, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come, the cooing of doves is heard in our land, the fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. You see what he's saying? He's saying the winter's over, springtime has come, the flowers are in bloom. It's the season of love, but he's not quite there yet. See, his love is still kind of hidden away behind the wall, behind the lattice, behind the bedroom window. And so he's, he's yearning, he's yearning to, to be with her. It's kind of overwhelming. Verse 14, he says, My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. You know that feeling, don't you? You know that feeling? That feeling of, of eagerly looking forward to being with the one that you love? Of kind of counting down the, the hours and the minutes until you're together again? Of picturing their face and imagining the sound of their voice? That's what's going on like right here. I, I've got to tell you, I am hopeless like that. I am hopeless like that. I really, I try to never be away from Lee. Um, a few years back I went on this conference for a bit over two weeks and to Chicago and New York and Seattle and visited some churches. And, and while I was away from Lee, I, I just found myself constantly thinking about her, daydreaming about her. And, you know, I had my camera with me, constantly looking at pictures of her. Even now on my phone, on my home screen, I've got a big picture of Lee's face on my desktop, on my laptop. And again, a big picture. So as soon as I click on it, there she is. I'm hopeless, hopeless like that because she's my whole world. She really is, and, and when I'm not with her, I just can't wait to see her and to hear her and just to be with her again. I'm hopeless like that. The two lovers here, you see, they can't wait either. The song, this song really wants us to really acutely feel their anxiety, their longing, because, you see, a mood change is coming, slowly at first, but it's on its way. Pleasure is going to give way to pain. Pain in the form of foxes and pain in the form of fears. And we'll look at both. In verse 15, 
he says. He says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. You see, he's saying our vineyards, our bodies, they're in blossom. You know, it, the time is right. It's the right season for love. But he's saying, you know, we've got to rid ourselves of anything and everything that spoils our love and our intimacy, that threatens our feasting on one another's fruit. Because just as foxes, they sneak into vineyards and they, you know, they eat the fruit and they gnaw away at the root, foxes, foxes sneak into our relationships and they do the same thing. They wreak havoc and they wreak all kinds of pain. And, you know, every relationship has little foxes that come in, don't they? Every relationship does. What could these little foxes be? Well, you know what? It's, there's no end, really, to what these little foxes could be. I'm just going to run through some examples, though, of, of what they could be. And I want you to kind of think about maybe have some of these things become foxes in your relationship. So let me just run through a list of potential foxes. Alcohol. Alcohol, where one or both parties drink to excess. Work and or hobbies, you know, where one or both parties are just so busy that they just have little or no time for one another. Laziness, where one partner just, just doesn't pull their weight in a relationship. Lust and pornography, where one partner really gives away their sexual appetite to others. Violence, where one partner's either physically or emotionally abusive. Unsupportive friends, where friends get in and undermine a relationship. Maybe a love triangle, where there's somebody else trying to move in on the relationship. Maybe extended family, where parents or siblings are just way too involved. Children, where you, know, you, you kind of start focusing only on the kids and stop focusing on one another. Maybe it's scheduling. You know, maybe you don't have an agreed system for syncing up you know, your schedules. Maybe budgeting, where you just don't have an agreed system for managing your finances. Maybe household logistics, you know, where you don't have an agreed system for running your home. You know, things like mealtimes and bedtimes and other routines and structures. Maybe difficult seasons. Perhaps, perhaps you've got little babies. Maybe one of you is sick. Another fox, criticism. Criticism. Where you don't bring complaints like, that really hurt me. Or you don't bring concerns like, that really worried me. Instead, you bring criticisms. And you bring personal attacks like, you always do this or you never do that. Criticisms. What about defensiveness? Defensiveness where when you sin... You don't kind of say, I was wrong. I'm sorry, please forgive me. You don't do that. Instead, you make excuses. You justify yourself. You shift the blame. You say, it's your fault. You triggered me. Maybe annoyances, you know, where, where opposites have attracted perhaps, you know, where the spender marries the saver or the neat freak marries the slob or the early bird marries the night owl or the introvert marries the extrovert or the, 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 the punctual marries the always running late. And it happens all the time. You know, when they meet, he's different, she's interesting. Two years later, their differences have become annoying. 
That can be a fox. Finally, disinterest. Disinterest, disengagement, you know, where you just ignore or disengage from your relationship and its problems altogether. You see, the thing is, we're all sinners, right? We're all sinners and we all live in a world filled with sin. And so there will be foxes in all of our vineyards. There will. Song of Songs doesn't tell us what our foxes are, but Song of Songs wants us to know that they're there, wants us to spot them, wants us to repent of them and to get rid of them and wants us to guard against them coming back. Because you see, this is one very important way for God's people to protect their marriage, you know, to honour their marriage vows, to maintain their one flesh unity by dealing with the foxes in the vineyard. Because you see, for all its joy, for all its pleasure, love in this world, it also has its challenges, doesn't it? It has its threats and it has its pain. There's a fine line between pleasure and pain. And so love in this world, it requires hard work, requires careful attention and it requires tender care. You know, maybe in your marriage, maybe the foxes are huge. Maybe these foxes, they're already wreaking havoc and it may be that you just need to get some outside help and you need to do it very quickly. You know, if that's the case, come and see us because we can give you some details of some excellent Christian counselling services, but don't wait. Maybe in your marriage, though, the foxes are still relatively small. Maybe they're little foxes, but they're there and they're starting to weasel their way in. Now, if that's the case, maybe I want to encourage all of you to go home today and just to talk straight to each other about what little foxes might be creeping in. Have the conversation. And maybe for some of you, you know, that, that course that we advertise, that marriage course that Chris and Catherine run, maybe it's time for you to stop putting that off and to prioritise. I'm going to do that. 19th of June, it's going in the diary. I'm going to contact Chris and Catherine and we're going to do that excellent marriage course. You see, wherever you're at, it's important to stay focused on your marriage. It is so important to attend to your vineyard and to catch the foxes. Catch the little foxes because they can do some real damage if you don't. You see, the essence, the essence of biblical marriage, we actually see it here in verse 16. Have a look at verse 16. This is the essence of biblical marriage. My lover is mine and I am his. She, she says, my lover is mine. He's given himself to me. He's given me his heart. He's given me his life. He's given me his future. He's given me his money. He's given me his body. He has held nothing back. He has given himself completely to me. And so then she's able to say, and I am his. I've, I've given my whole self to him too. And that's the essence of biblical marriage. And it's not, it's not about taking, you see. Love cannot be taken. Love needs to be given. You see, it's about giving. It's giving. It is giving 
ourselves to each other. And you see, it's this mutual giving that brings a sense of mutual belonging and safety and trust. It's no wonder the beloved here is so passionate and so free. It's no wonder. It's no wonder she's so creative and amazing. I love reading her, you know. And yet, and yet, and yet even here, even here, there's still pain. There's still pain, pain in the form of fear, fear of those foxes, you know, fear of losing her lover, fear that gives rise to feelings that we see in the next part of this reading from chapter 3, verse 1. Have a look with me. She says, All night, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I'll get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I'll search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds of the city. Have, have you seen the one my heart loves? Can you see the, the pain? Can you see the desperation? But then scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him, I held him and I would not let go of him till I had brought him to my mother's house to the room of the one who conceived me. Now I wonder, can you see what's happened here? Can you see what's happened? She's, she's kind of, she's either dreaming or she's lying awake daydreaming about not knowing, not knowing where her lover is. But it's not just a dream, it's a nightmare for her. He's left, he's gone and so all that intensity we see in the first part of this passage, that all that intensity and of yearning and wanting to be together, it's turned on her. It's come back to bite her and it makes this separation even more painful. And so what does she do? Well she, well, she gets up out of bed, she braves the night and she roams up and down every street, not being able to find him. Until finally, verse 4, I found the one my heart loves, I held him and I would not let him go. And can't you kind of just picture this scene in your head? You know, that this, this reunion, she's sobbing and she's just, she's just clutching onto him and she's holding and she's refusing to let him go. And in a way, it's kind of a really nice, sweet, happy Hollywood ending, this little section here. But while all's fine in time, there has been real pain. There's been heart-wrenching, emotionally draining pain, pain, Pain getting there. Okay, now we're going to go to our final verse and it's the exact same ending as last week. And it's this, ending, this, this verse is repeated three times throughout the book, three times throughout the song. It's, it's important. Its lesson is that important, I should say. Let's have a look. Chapter 3, verse 5. She says this. Again, she's talking to her single friends. She says, Daughters of Jerusalem... I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And you see, this, this week's passage really serves to reinforce one of the key reasons for not rushing into love too fast. That reason, that, you're going to see a theme in this talk, as well as bringing great pleasure and joy, love will also make you vulnerable to a world of pain. 
And you know what? I am sure, I am sure, speaking to a group like this, that many of you know exactly what I mean. Maybe your lover's been away or is away for long periods of time. There's separation, there's loneliness and there's tears. Maybe, maybe you've lost your lover altogether. Perhaps death has taken them. Perhaps another lover has taken them. Perhaps they've just fallen out of love with you. And there's pain. Maybe you've loved somebody who's never loved you back. Maybe you've loved someone who's never shared your love for Jesus. You know, someone who's, who's discouraged you from loving Jesus. Someone who's near shipwrecked your faith in Jesus. There's pain, isn't there? You see, you know, in this world, love can be rough, rough and painful. And so Song of Songs, it is saying to us, don't rush it and be really careful with it. It really can be too hot to handle. And so if you're single, if you are still single, then you really need to hear and you need to hear this, to heed this, that you shouldn't seek to be married just for the sake of being married. You shouldn't idolise or you know, idealise marriage. You shouldn't rush it. Wait for the right time and with the right Christian person. And you know, if you have children, if you have children, especially if they're teenagers or approaching teen years, you really, really need to help your kids to hear this. That love should be handled very carefully, that it's not something to arouse or awaken too soon. Because ever so quickly, if not handled right, love can turn around and hurt you more than you can possibly imagine. And you know, you only need ask God himself. You only need ask God himself about this. Because this lesson about love, it opens our eyes to the staggering depths of God's love for us. Because you see, if you know anything, anything about the gospel of Jesus you know that God himself has felt the pain, the pain that love can bring and he's felt it more acutely and more severely than we will ever know. Because you see, God, as the Bible tells us so clearly, God so loved us that he sent his only son, Jesus, into this hostile world. And as Jesus, as he hung in pain in painful agony on that cross in our place for our sins. God the Father, His Father, did not save Him from that pain. He didn't save Him. And why didn't he save him? He didn't save him so as to save us from the pain of hell that our sins deserve. 
how much must God love you and me? That kind of pain, we'll never, ever be able to grasp that kind of pain. You might be sitting there and you might be thinking, well, but what if, what if I didn't wait for sex? What if I did arouse and awaken love and sex before marriage? What if I have sinned sexually many times and in many ways? Well, this is where I get to remind you that that is why God sent Jesus to save us, you see, from all our sins including all of our sexual sins. And so if you haven't waited, don't despair. Don't despair. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, to the one who died and rose for sinners and the one who now waits with arms wide open, ready to accept anyone, anyone who repents of sin and trusts in him. I came to Jesus at age 25 as a sexual sinner. And you know, since then, he has not only forgiven me, he has been transforming me, transforming me to view and to treat sex in ways that please him. Yeah, the process was slow to begin with, but he brings real change, real transformation. And most importantly, forgiveness. And so if you're single or dating and you've not been waiting, I've got to say, repent. Stop fornicating and start waiting. Trusting in Jesus. Trusting in the Lord Jesus. Friends, love, it is such powerful stuff, isn't it? It is so powerful. With love, there can be a very fine line between pleasure and pain. And so if you're single or dating, don't arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Be very careful with it. If you're married, do not let your love wander or wane. Catch those little foxes. Catch them before it's too late. And if you're human, if you're human, don't ever forget how much God loves you. Don't ever forget. Trust and obey and he will show you the way. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we, we come before you, each of us, as sinners. Wherever we sit, wherever we stand right this moment, Lord, we just thank you that you love us so much we thank you for the pain that you endured that your son endured for us so that we can be spared the pain of hell if we just simply trust Jesus and follow him Father we pray that each of us you would draw each of us close you would fill us with your spirit you would enable us and empower us to to follow Jesus trusting him and trusting him alone. Father, help us 
whatever our issues, whatever our sin, to repent and to live in a, and to love in a way that pleases and honours you. And we pray it all in Jesus' powerful and his precious and his beautiful name. Amen. Friends, if you can please stand, we're going to sing the last song um, for this morning's service. You'll also note the offertory bags come around. That is for our regular members um, to give generously.